we talk about industries and educators wanting to come together and have an impact, but we don't think about how the students are engaged in that or what their voice is. Or similarly for us as, an, as a nonprofit and as a museum uh, in informal learning, the other side of that is thinking about the families that are engaged, you know, and thinking about their voices that are also present and not just the partner voices. Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. This is Annalise Corbin, Chief Goddess of the Past Foundation and your host. We hear frequently that the global education system is broken. In fact, we spend billions of dollars trying to fix something that's actually not broken at all, but rather irrelevant. It's obsolete. A hundred years ago, it functioned fine. So let's talk about how we reimagine, rethink, and redesign our educational system. Welcome to Learning Unboxed. This is Annalise Corbin, and I am excited to be back with everybody today. Uh, we are going to talk about design challenges and the way that design challenges can be utilized in a number of different settings. And we've had this conversation on a few episodes um, already, but today we are going to be talking with Megan Fetter, who is joining us from the Ohio Works. And so as we get started here and sort of digging in a bit about Megan, so she is STEM Education Director for Middle and High School. I suspect she wears many hats at a small organization and informal learning um, setting like so many do. Um, we will get her to share lots of that um, with us. So I have known Megan. I've had the pleasure, I should say, of knowing Megan for... Gosh, it's been a while now, hasn't it, Megan? 11 years. Yeah, something like that. And so I met Megan as a grad student. Yes. And and now Megan is um, doing amazing things um, all on her own. And so it's really exciting to be able to actually have a conversation all these years later yes. about the amazing STEM stuff that you are doing. Yeah, thanks to kind of my experience as I got started with uh, grad school through PAST and Metro, I really took that and ran with it. Yeah, you really did. So Megan ran summer programs for us way back when, some, some of our uh, fondest memories of Kids in caves <laughs> um, with, with Megan Federer. And so welcome. We're thrilled to have you here today. Thank you for having me. So, so let's start, Megan, first. Give us the 100,000-foot overview of what the Ohio Works is. What's its mission, its vision? So set the stage for us. So what we do at the Works is really focus on providing opportunities for learning. We want to create that spark. We uh, want to really drive and engage youth, families, and adults in exploring history, art, and technology. Those are the core areas that we were founded to kind of support in the community. And STEM is the way that we approach the technology. And we have a huge basis of support and history even in industry in our community. And so that is a lens through which we engage education uh, through design challenges, through programs, through fundraisers, and just through events for adults. We really just want to um, get them involved and you know take charge of their learning and find new ways to explore, be a gateway even to other institutions that they could go on and explore as well. And the works just for our listeners from um, you know all over the U.S., other parts of the world, um, it's, it's a museum. It is. 
is. Essentially, but it's more than that. So so help us understand a little bit about the context for the works and what happens there. Nicely said, because we like to say that we are more than a museum. Mm-hmm. And we... <laughs> I read the website. Yes. <laughs> and uh, we are a, a center for learning. We're a small um, nonprofit museum in Newark, so just outside of Columbus, Ohio. And what we do is uh, cover a lot of ground in a small square footage. So we have hands-on science and technology uh, exhibits for kind of the um, youth and families audience to engage in exploration where you would kind of think that side is a, or that aspect of it is a children's museum, a science center. We also have uh, opportunities for adults and families and just general community members to explore in uh, the history of the area, but it's also history of the area grounded within a much larger context. So events that happened in central Ohio were happening all over the United States. So it gives you some context for local and national and global history. We also have an arts background. So uh, we have an art gallery that actually is free and open to the public year round as a gateway for arts in our community. It's given that we are not supporting a a larger populace, where a more rural and suburban populace that doesn't have another art museum right in their backyard. Mm-hmm. We were one of the early gateways to art. And we also support art through our hot glass studio as well, which, which then ties on awesome. to that. Yeah. <laughs> ties into that rich history of glass and industry in our community. And all of it really does go back to that. We are supporting mm-hmm. the history of innovation, the history of industry in our region, uh, both within Licking County, Newark, and the broader context of Ohio in the Midwest and why uh, why the, there were successes and failures and how that really shapes communities. And so innovation is a thread that we weave throughout the entire museum experience. And one of the things that I personally love about the works is the fact that it is so steeped and its roots really are tied back to the industry and early manufacturing that mm-hmm. was quite frankly very robust and prevalent in that part of Ohio for a very, very long time. And it still is, but it's changed. Exactly. And the museum's done a really lovely job of not only showing the history, but um, putting that change into context over mm-hmm. time and really tying it back to relevancy yes. um, for the local community. So yes. I would say bravo collectively to the works because that's not an easy thing to do. And a lot of communities struggle over time with those 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 just transitions that naturally happen. So that's one of my favorite things. And of course, the glass studio is mm-hmm. just epically awesome. So it is. We'll come back around and we'll touch <laughs> on that again um, before, before we finish today. So um, I want to really sort of to dig into, in particular, um, the STEM Fest program because one of the purposes of Learning Unboxed is to be able to highlight these great case studies, these positive disruptions in education, and really sort of demonstrate a what others are doing, but then how others can peel away components of what's happening in other places and and, and bring it back um, and do something on their own with it. And I think that STEM Fest is a great example of that. So um, could you sort of just give everybody an overview of STEM Fest, sort of where it came from, how it kind of got launched, and then I'd love to dig into the nuts and bolts of how it's actually going to work yeah. uh, this coming year. So so it came from the exact place that we've been talking about. It comes from the roots of the industry really wanting to support opportunities for STEM learning. They want to be positive disruptors mm-hmm. for STEM mm-hmm. learning in our community. And so going back, I want to say over a decade now, 
uh, and before that for early conversations, but over a decade of slowly building these programs and part, finding partners to design challenges with mm-hmm. that, again, go back to putting some relevance in the STEM learning for the youth in our community. And what this started uh, from was a recognition of uh, by community organizations that STEM education was something that they could really get behind. And so we saw it happening in schools and they really wanted to find ways to better be better community partners uh, for education. And so this idea of design challenges and giving students an idea of what the manufacturers, the industries, mm-hmm. the science and technology centers in our area actually do and how they could maybe try to solve the same types of problems that they're addressing in the community and have, you know, those problems are ones that have real impact mm-hmm. on either the organization or on people as a whole. And so to really contextualize that learning, which is the whole goal behind a design challenge, and uh, but do it with that really local relevance. And so that was the big picture idea. And so over the years, we've partnered with a variety of uh, organizations uh, anywhere from um, those that are located on our uh, aerospace industries. Uh, we have Owens Corning partnering this year. We have done ones with the Licking County Humane Society. We've done those that are more design-based or engineering-based and some very mathematical and technical. So we try to hit everything. Mm-hmm. And what we do is work with our partners to really figure out what would be a good challenge that they experience and how to how to put that in educational context for the middle and high school students that do decide to mm-hmm. engage in STEM Fest. And it's something that's grown. So for communities that are looking to do design challenges that are in partner with their industries, I would say it's taken 10 years to get yeah. to this stage. Yeah. Every year, it's yeah. a little bit more, it's a little bit different. And the one thing that I've learned over the um, the time that I have been engaged with this program is that it was boots on the ground to have the conversation with the companies and businesses about how they really could support a program like this. Mm-hmm. And we we talk about design challenges frequently on the program. And, you know, we a common thread that everybody who is engaged in the design challenge process always reminds folks is that, you know, ultimately one of the things that we're doing here in, in building that student confidence and also the local awareness about what's going on with within their communities, but also that we are we are helping kids understand that we believe they're capable of solving these problems, yes. right? And that's mm-hmm. the other key thing is by really sort of stepping out with a design challenge out side of the Mm day-to-day learning that may happen. You know, personally, I'm all for, we could just do all design challenges all the time. time. (laughs) Um, But well, a little biased in that respect. But, But the point being though, that at the end of the day, part of what makes them so special and so successful is they engage the students because the students come into that very quickly figuring out that, hey, whoever it is that's hosting this thing believes we're capable of solving this problem, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So not only is it a real problem that we're working on, but it's one that folks believe that we can solve. Yes. And one of the things that I think really um, drives home that value, for example, with the STEM Fest Design Challenges is that we have 
those organizations be there for the presentation of those solutions. So Mm -hmm. the creative solutions that they've made, they get to present them to not only that industry, but other examples of um, folks in those industries, whether they're from the education side or from the technical side. And so they get feedback directly from the people who have dealt with this issue in their careers. And that in and of itself you just see the sparks kind of go mm-hmm. and the curiosity and the and the, you know the pride in their presentation mm-hmm. uh, and in their work and there has been many instances that we've seen over the years where there've been follow-ups from those presentations or the next steps taken individually by the youth not just by the organizations but by the youth to reach out and learn more or to take advantage of internships that have come about because of these types of opportunities so it, it does provide that next step connection to 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 you know show that support mm-hmm. and value for the work that they've done. And kids rise to that mm-hmm. almost always. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So I want to talk a little bit about some of the specific um, challenges um, that you've already utilized. I don't want to get into what's coming because yes. I don't think that's fair. Um, so so let's talk a little bit um, about the 2019 um, challenges. Um, so so tell us. I just want to dig into just a little bit. So tell me a little bit of what was the architectural and engineering challenge? What was that all about? So that one's in partner with the Central Ohio. Tech Technical College and the New York City Engineers Office. And what they focus on is a little bit more like bridge design and engineering. Mm -hmm. And it's supported through the architectural engineering side of COTC and their faculty there. They get to do a challenge that is being evaluated on the same level that a college uh, level Mm -hmm. challenge is evaluated. Uh, They have restricted elements of what they can use in their bridge. And so they're only allowed to use classic ingredients of toothpicks and glue, mm-hmm. but they have to calculate their amounts of supplies used. So there's some cost and um, cost conditions that they're reporting on their, uh, for their design. They also uh, get to do their favorite part, which is crush their bridge. <laughs> so they Always fun. Always fun. So what they're doing, their goal is to produce the most sustainable bridge. Uh, and that means it's going to be the most efficient in terms of cost, but also the most, um, uh, the most efficient in terms of strength. And it is pretty impressive some of the creative mm-hmm. ways that they come up with to design a bridge because they can go out and say, okay, a trust bridge, that's the strongest one. We're just going to make that. But more often than not, that's not enough mm-hmm. to actually you know, approach that challenge. They'll build one and they'll realize, well, that's fun, but it doesn't actually meet the cost effectiveness or that when we test it, it breaks a lot sooner than we thought it would. And the design kind of criteria for the size aren't mm-hmm. off. And so mm-hmm. while seemingly simple, it can actually be quite an interesting challenge for them to dig into. It is. And we actually use a variation of that mm-hmm. um, at PASS in our uh, teacher mm-hmm. um, PD. Um, we use spaghetti and marshmallows. Yes. Same principle. And, in, and it's the same sort of thing, you know, to watch the teachers struggle with the same things that the kiddos struggle with yep. and trying to figure out, wait a minute, we could do this a little differently. So mm-hmm. um, those are always great, great challenges. And I love the fact that the students are required a financial component mm-hmm. and a sustainability component. Yes. Um, because oftentimes when we see design challenges, those two pieces um, get left out. Mm-hmm. Right, if folks aren't allowing for enough time to actually get all the way through it, mm-hmm. so yeah. And what about zero waste, the energy challenge? So zero waste energy. Uh, well, we were kind of looking at a variety of things there, but they really 
we're focusing on sustainability. Uh, and this was in partner with a couple organizations, but this um, one of our uh, challenges is often partnered with the chemistry and biochemistry department at Denison University. Mm-hmm. And they've done a variety of challenges with us, zero waste, they've done water pollution, we've done green energy, solar panels, all things that kind of get them to think about that sustainability uh, aspect. And uh, this was yet another opportunity for them to look at it in you know a different lens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so those are always really popular challenges. I think chemistry is a great gateway mm-hmm. for a lot of these uh, teams that do decide to to enter. It's always a very popular choice, but challenging. So lots of fun. And it's also a great way for students to get over their fear, mm-hmm. right? You know, chemistry has this mystique to it, Yes, right? That it's, oh, that's one of those really, really hard sciences. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so it's only accessible to some folks, but not all folks. And that's just not true. Exactly. And it's a, a lovely uh, transition point, I think, into um, material sciences and engineering, mm-hmm. which is very misunderstood. Yes. So awesome. And then what about the innovative app and technology challenge? That's the third one that you guys did this last year. Yeah. So that one, they uh, were really focused on getting, you know, taking advantage of their interest in apps, technology development, the more digital age that they have, and uh, having them specifically think about how technology could be used to improve their community. So what they were trying to do, and their community could be very broad, mm-hmm. it could be their school, it could be students, it could be uh, a specific population, or it could be uh, much broader than that. But th- we wanted them to think about technology in a positive way and how we can be doing more than just playing games or tr- using maps or listening to music, but how they could develop tools to have a positive impact. And so they got to choose what that positive impact was. They were looking for uh, an issue that they could identify, why it was an issue, and how technology might be able to help address it, and then uh, pilot their way through the app development itself. So it also gave them the opportunity to deploy technical skills, learn about some of those areas that maybe they don't get a lot of exposure to, but that are almost a little bit more, they're almost a little more fluent in that Mm -hmm. just by being that generation. So They're definitely that, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> so th- those were really interesting because we saw we saw apps that were focused on uh, a lot of uh, school issues that we mm-hmm. recognize as adults, some mental health and bullying. Uh, we saw transportation as an issue or trans- for high school students. Mm-hmm. We saw community um, focuses for seniors. And so it was very, very thoughtful what they were coming up with and, uh, and interesting that how well they perceived some of the issues that are present in their community mm-hmm. and how they thought that students and youth could help address those. So that's, very powerful. Yeah, that's absolutely fabulous thing mm-hmm. to see. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to see the next one. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to arrive that day. <laughs> um, so so talk to us a little bit about the context. So how do you have it structured? So the, the um, walk folks through the, the sort of process of the forming of the teams and the actual work tied to the mm-hmm. challenge itself. So it's Essentially for us, it's a year-long process in which we spend uh, quite a few months working with our community partners to develop and design challenges that are open-ended, but that have enough Mm -hmm. um, kind of structural information to get them going. We make sure that any materials that are required for a challenge are provided for teams. Uh, including if they need more or more or more that they never have to pay for a material that's required for a challenge. So we want to, as much as we can, reduce barriers to mm-hmm. access. Uh, we also uh, host multiple opportunities for the teams to engage with the partners that have 
uh, developed the challenges. So we host a kickoff event for STEM Fest. We put we can connect them to the companies for Q and A's. We can help them reach out to other organizations and just be that like. Uh, anchor for providing those supports. Once the information is available, we push it out to schools, past participants, community partners, and just make it generally known that if anybody wants to come to kickoff or if anybody wants to sign up, here's how we can do it. Mm -hmm. They form teams. Uh, Most of them are formed uh, and are registered through schools, but some of them are through other means. Uh, We just do require that there is an adult that is kind of the mentor for the mm-hmm. program. We don't want them to coach. We don't want them to be involved in the challenge, but we want them to be there in case there are questions about connecting to a resource. And as well as that gives all all organizations organizations involved a contact point right, right. Uh, for the teams. And so we get teams of middle school to high school uh, students, anywhere, anybody from sixth to 12th grade can sign up to form a team and they get to work for about three to four months, depending on when they sign up. And, you know, they get to decide when they work. Some of our teams, I know, do their work after school as kind of a part of a STEM Mm -hmm. club. Mm -hmm. Some of them do it in some of their like uh, STEM courses in middle school, for example, or in a uh, in an off period. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's a lot of flexibility to that. There are no like requirements for the number of hours that you must commit to it. We do often ask them to present on their iterative process. So they have to be able to talk about multiple designs, the failures and things that they did to make changes to lead to what their final product was. So it isn't really something you can do in a week. And so we usually see the teams are signing up in November and December. Mm-hmm to lead up to the event that doesn't take place until the end of February. So it's a long-term commitment. And then on the day of Fest, what they do is they bring all their fabulous work and they showcase it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so we get a full day of middle schoolers, which is a very busy day, and a full day for high schoolers all on the same weekend. And we also um, bring in all of our community partners for those two days. They get to see presentations, they get to provide feedback, and really just engage in the celebration of the process. Uh, throughout the entire weekend. So it's really exciting to see it. It's energy like uh, you wouldn't believe uh, for an academic uh, presentation. (laughs) Yeah, no. And it's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. So design challenges generally are so crazy engaging. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, the the kids love it because they they get to shine in that moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you think about um, crafting, right? Mm-hmm. And so in particular, crafting around the facilitating, let's talk a little bit about the adult side of all this. Mm-hmm. We know what the kids are getting out of it. Lots of fun opportunities. But um, so for the adults who want to engage in this, either as teachers in schools or adult mentors and facilitators, um, that it can be a heavy lift. Mm-hmm. So, So what's the support look like for those folks? Because we get asked that question all the time. Where do I find X? Or what is the resource? Or how do I know what to do? I mean, Mm -hmm. mentoring is one of those things that we know that kids benefit from tremendously. And it needs Mm -hmm. to come from a variety of of adults sort of engaging in that process. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's really, really tough to figure out what does it mean to mentor versus what does it mean to do for. Mm-hmm. Right. So how do you help those folks understand really where that space is? So we're really fortunate to have uh, solid relationships with a lot of our school partners in the region that uh, support teams through STEM Fast. And so they're used to 
even if it's not the same teacher, the school itself is mm-hmm. used to coming to us for support for STEM Fest to be able to make some of those connections to direct to resources, et cetera. So we we try to do a lot of the lifting for the adults because we know that we want them to be able to be the positive person in the background for their team. We but we don't want them to be on the team. Mm-hmm. And so it's a great way to put it, by the yes. way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we want them to be their cheerleader uh-huh. and we want them to be able to connect them. And in order to do that, uh, part of what we do when we provide kind of the resource packet for mm-hmm. the challenge, we we put in a quite a bit of background information, connection to resources, et cetera, as long as well as to the contact to the challenge provider, because that way they can reach out directly or through us when there are questions. Now, what I have learned over the years is that most of the adults that are doing it are still having the youth draft the questions and send the questions, do the call or do the email. But it is, there's still some logistics and organizations about making sure that the team is actually working and moving forward. But, But we put it on the team and we make sure that the adults know as well that it's not necessarily even about them getting to STEM Fest with a product. It's about getting to STEM Fest with the process. Right. And right. so even we encourage teams, even that didn't complete the challenge, to still come mm-hmm. and showcase the work that they did uh, co- accomplish, the challenges that they ran into, and how they faced those. And sometimes those can be really powerful presentations because they raise a lot of issues that we see were common across teams and they get kind of reaffirmed by that, that they're not the only ones that ran into those issues or they discovered something completely new Mm -hmm. when they were doing that. And the fact that they were able to persist in the face of their challenges is a characteristic that we really like to highlight as well and congratulate them on and just acknowledge the work that they did. And that leads into one of the only things that we do to recognize individuals at Stempest is there's one individual award that's a nomination basis from the adults that are involved. And they can nominate an individual on a team for being a persistent scientist. And we acknowledge one middle schooler and one high schooler a year for that. Uh, And it's a um, pretty, for us, pretty important recognition Mm -hmm. of the work that they put in to you know, their team, mm-hmm. their solutions, the process overall. Yeah, no, and that's it's a wonderful opportunity for a kid to to feel like they made a commitment that mattered. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. yeah. And oftentimes, that's it's easy to get overlooked, especially yeah. in the... And the, the crazy that is either middle school or high school, mm-hmm. right? It's it's tough being a kid in those spaces, yep. right? Yeah, yes. you got a lot going on <laughs> as a kid in those spaces. So I want to talk a little bit about the industry side of this, yes. right? Because the reality is that most communities have amazing industry partners who often don't know how mm-hmm. to interact in the sort of education space. And I use that term pretty generically, whether it's formal or informal, like the works or formal inside the schools. The reality is most communities, industry partners would love to do something more meaningful rather than just donating time or just coming on career day or just Mm -hmm. offering shadowing, but they don't know what that might be. And quite frankly, for the most part, schools and industry community partners are not very good at helping each other understand their own limitations or 
lack of, I don't know what to do, right? Mm -hmm. I hear that all the time for schools. Well, you know, we reach out to the industry partners and nobody gets back to us. And that's because you're not asking them very good questions. So the industry partners say, well, you know, all the school wants is to help us, you know, fund uniforms for their band booster drive. Well, that's because, you know, you're not telling them that you would rather do something else instead, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's a funny dance that happens it in is. every community. And so as a informal within the community and having that role, you have a unique perspective on these conversations because I suspect you find yourself in the middle of them frequently. I do. <laughs> so talk to us a little bit about, you know, that sort of public-private partnership 101 via Megan Federer. You've said it all, right? Uh, so we we are intentionally placed as a conduit between education and industry. And we were founded to be that conduit. So we've been there from day one. Mm -hmm. And now 23 years later, we have mm -hmm. successfully uh, really established ourselves as a partner for both sides of the community. So we're an education partner, but we're also an industry partner. And what's really important to me is, like you said, making both both sides of that conversation really clear so that industries really understand what supports educators need mm -hmm. and that educators really understand how to engage and interest and excite industries in doing those uh, types of collaborations. And so that's a lot of the work we do, mm -hmm. all, but we also intentionally just serve as a connector when somebody asks us for uh, information or a question or do we know anybody that does X? Right. We try to make sure that we can foster that conversation and be a part of it because it is so important to have a strong community to do that support. And STEM Fest is one of the ways that we do it because those are uh, avenues for educators and industry professionals to have a conversation and to intersect and to really see the result of what happens when they do. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's powerful. The fact that they can see for industries, see the return on their investment right, and right. educators can see how valuable it is to have that input. And uh, that, that can be very powerful to see which is one of the reasons why we make sure we have everybody in the house to engage with the students and why we also showcase other organizations during STEM Fest, not just those that were participating mm -hmm. in a challenge, mm -hmm. but we intentionally invite all of our community partners and businesses and industries to come and share the STEM that they do. And they get real hands-on with everybody that comes in in the museum. So we have industry booths essentially right, all right, day, right. every day uh, during STEM Fest. And those types of... Uh, discussion points, I think, are what really start fostering that type of cross-sector collaboration mm -hmm. much broader in the community. And without uh, opportunities for them to come together and have an impact, I think it's a lot harder. And so it, it's rough to start that conversation in a community it where it's brand new and where nobody has done it before. But you have to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. And by mm -hmm. getting them to, to come together, uh, I think that is where uh, you see real progress happen. And Stempest is only one of the of the right. points that we do across right. the year, but it's a big one, mm -hmm. uh, and it's one that directly involves the student voice as well, which is another area that is so often left out mm -hmm. of these conversations. Uh, we talk about industries and educators wanting to come together and have an impact, but we don't think about how the students are engaged in that or what their voice is. Or similarly for us as an as a nonprofit and as a museum. Uh, in informal learning, the other side of that is thinking about the families right, that are engaged, right. you know, and thinking about their voices that are mm -hmm. also present and not just the partner voices. Mm -hmm. So there, there's a lot, um, a lot of discussion to be had at the table, right? A yeah. lot of different partners at play, not just our business and education partners. 
which is one of the reasons why we spend a lot of time on this program talking with folks in the informal space. It's mm-hmm. because there's so much valuable learning and experience mm-hmm. that comes from our informal folks because they do cross so many different paths. Yeah. Right. And, you know, to your point, you know, the family piece that's not showing up at a school because there's a problem or just to celebrate something, but that, you know, the families are actually actively engaged in the opportunity to learn something. Mm-hmm. It's it's a different way to to interact with those folks. And often our informals, quite frankly, are are much, much better at that. And they have an awful lot to share. Mm -hmm. Um, with our formals in that space. So I want to spend a little bit of time talking about sort of the industry conversation. So let's come full circle. And so um, let's, let's look at 2021, right? So knowing you as I do, you're already thinking about what's the following you're going to look like. Mm -hmm. And so as you sit down with the industry partners and start to have the conversation around what might it look like for you to be specifically involved or help us come up with what uh, the next challenge is, what what does that look like? Because I want to get into a little bit of the nuts and bolts of the process that you specifically use at the Mm -hmm. works with your local industry partners to help them craft the challenge. Yeah, one of the things that we do as we are looking ahead is is partnering with our our area businesses, but also our area kind of, I wouldn't call economic development mm-hmm. to even be thinking mm-hmm. about what are these new areas that we should be exposing youth to? What are the organizations or businesses in those areas and how can we engage them to support their community? So there could be um, growing sectors. So we have manufacturing and advanced manufacturing in Licking County is a huge mm-hmm. component. Mm-hmm. And I would say a, a majority of the students that participate are Licking County, but it's not restricted to Licking County. Uh, but most of our industries happen to fall within that. So we have manufacturing, but we also have healthcare as a big area. We have um, computer and technology uh, and platforms that are coming, especially with um, new organizations coming in and starting up uh, uh, footprints in Licking County. And so what we're looking at is where should we go next? Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of them also are reaching out because we have those strong community partnerships. It's how can we get involved? And so this is one of the ways that we you know, have a discussion of how they could get involved. Uh, oftentimes it'll be, we'll invite organizations to be part of our um, room support, our judging panels and our, mm-hmm. and our interaction with mm-hmm. the kids before we talk to them about challenges because we want them to see what it is and be excited by it. And not be afraid of it. Exactly. Because yeah. like I'm going to tell you, we're going to do a year-long design challenge yeah. process and I'm going to need like, hours and hours of your time. No way. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but in reality, it's it's a lot more on us than it is on anybody else. We yeah. make it, we try to make the process as seamless and simple. Uh, and one of the ways that we do that is by having a little bit of a scaffolding available for creating the challenges. And we're really just curious, hey, what do you do that you think is so cool? Yeah. Okay, that, and then provide for them some connections about how that relates to content that kids are learning and how we could build on that to create a challenge. Mm -hmm. Uh, And sometimes it's been something that is a process that they do on a daily basis that just, it, it's something that they have to figure out every day. Sometimes it's a unique thing that once they solved an issue, they were able to iteratively use that process. And it really is industry specific. It mm-hmm. is organizationally specific. Uh, and But when you hit on an idea that works, I think everybody recognizes it. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 And everybody has a great time and mm-hmm. they're willing to engage with you over and over again. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that I love about this is that it, 
translates directly back into other initiatives that are happening in your community. Mm -hmm. So certainly within Ohio, but lots of other states within the U.S. and other parts around the world as well, are spending a tremendous amount of time thinking about and applying STEM and STEAM education I don't want to get into the whole debate about the acronyms. Right. <laughs> um, I like design thinking. It's neither here nor there. But the point being that we, we are making a global effort to say we need more folks who are comfortable mm-hmm. living in that space, whether they choose or ultimately land to work there or, or not. And as communities on an individual level start to wrestle with how can we best facilitate our students moving into the wide array of opportunities that are ultimately going to be available to them um, through our industry uh, partners and our career um, opportunities. It gets hard. K-12 moves slow. Often. Not always, but often, right? And so... These experiences like STEM Fest and the other community conversations that the works is facilitating help the the schools within your region craft opportunities, pathways, plans, and strategic thinking for those next um, career opportunities for their students, yes? Yes. And I think that's what engages all of our partners so much in this is that they see they see that pathway, right? They, they see a pathway of supporting youth in the community and how that can have a trickle-down effect uh, in the community that we start exposing them to more and more uh, options, to more pathways within the, their education and careers and how that really leads right back to them. It does. And they are looking at STEM Fest, as oddly as it sounds, as kind of a workforce investment. Mm-hmm. And they are so excited to support opportunities like that that really align with what they need and their interests, uh, not just through the works, but through other partnerships mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, I think, uh, something that is so critical for the for the stability and growth of any community and uh, for the businesses that are present there. Mm-hmm. It is. At the end of the day, it's, it's economic development, right? Mm-hmm. It's workforce development, it's economic development, it's the... The, the life and livelihood of our communities and its long-term sustainability, especially mm-hmm. in rural areas. Um, mm-hmm. We definitely see that. So um, I think it's pretty exciting. And it, it, it lends itself to the conversation around what the heck are we preparing students for anyway? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a conversation I have a lot. Because I keep looking, you know, for, for you know, there there is no magic bullet, so to speak, on this one, but it's a conversation that we need to always have at the very forefront of thinking about any type of educational initiatives, I would argue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that sometimes we do, in fact, lose sight of that. So, so I, I love the programs that are happening at the works because of the role you're taking in the community, front and center. I love that. Well, thank you. Yeah. So one of the things that I always um, like to do with this program is sort of um, um, end or send send off, I guess, if you will, to the folks that are listening who are sitting back saying, gosh, you know, that's really, really cool. And I'm wondering, could we do something or get something like that started in my community? And you know, everybody wants to know what are the big things I should watch out for, right? If you you think about the work that you're you are doing, what what's the sort of high lob, if you will, the two or three things that people should be thinking about or mindful of before they start running down the road of saying, hey, we can do something similar in our community. 
I would say be careful uh, asking too much of your partners when you're starting something off like this. Uh, it's a big project. It's it's one of our largest events of the entire year. Mm-hmm. And we do it through the success of many partnerships. It's not something to put on one uh, partnership. You definitely want to be an actual partner in the process and not just ask for them to mm-hmm. create it for you. They are the experts in their field for the design challenge, but you need to come to them with the expertise to be able to craft it in the language that you want. And I think that that's a key piece because it can be very easily overwhelming to mm-hmm. to just be told we'd like a design challenge from what you do, what right. you do in your right. uh, in your organization. Let's have that now and, mm-hmm. and go from there. But it's also important to recognize that there's a lot of really cool things that uh, are happening in STEM industries and businesses. There are a lot of things, probably organizations in your community don't even know are there Mm -hmm. that are doing amazing work. And sometimes that always doesn't translate. And so it's it's also being careful and thinking about something that is possible for uh, anybody to tackle in a timeframe because there's challenges there that, uh, that... uh, are really unique and are interesting and are exciting, but maybe just aren't feasible with materials or with timing mm-hmm. or just don't translate well outside of the the context of what they are working on. So it's just a conversation. Be willing to have a conversation, to be collaborative, and to uh, make sure that maybe it goes back to make sure that all the voices are part of that conversation. You want to do something like this? Bring some industry and educators to the table and talk about how how it should be designed for your community to have that impact on the student because it's not a one-fits-all approach. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Very exciting. Thank you very much, Megan, for spending time with us today. Thank and I me. have no doubt that folks will get an awful lot out of hearing about how design challenges work at the works. Well, thanks for having us. Absolutely, thanks. Thank you for joining us for Learning Unboxed conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation. Meet me on social media at Annalise Corbin and join me next time as we stand up, step back, and lean in to reimagine education.